Fatherhood is fascinating. One day you're dad of the year, and the next day is, well, the next day. Welcome to Positively Dad, a podcast designed to help dads embrace the journey. Thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. My name's James Shaw. I'm your host. I'm a dad. My wife and I are the proud parents of a now soon-to-be second grader. She just finished first grade, and uh, we certainly enjoy it. And and you know, for as long as I can remember, I, I had this desire to be a dad. And seven years ago, when I found out I was going to be one, I said, "Well, I'm going to be a great one, right? I want to be an amazing dad. How do I do that?" And I went to look for resources and just didn't find many. There weren't many resources for dads. And if you look at the parenting space, pretty much everything is for mom, and there's a handful of stuff for dad. So I said, well, I'll just do it myself and learn. And that's what we've been doing here on this journey. So I appreciate you for joining us. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. And we talk about a lot of great things. And today, it's the first time for us on the podcast. We're actually going to have two guests and look at a couple of different things when it comes to health. And we're going to start with dad's health first and even go to look at dad's health before he's a dad and what that means for his kids if he ever has any. And and I think you're going to find this to be really interesting. Some of you might wish you had a DeLorean and you can go back in time and you can't. And yet you can take the information you learned today and use it to move you forward. So we're going to look today at our health, especially before we become fathers, and see that the impact of how our decisions about our health impact our children before they're even born. It's really fascinating. And then We're going to talk with someone about what kids are eating and consuming. And right now, you know, you've got a lot of choices. Let's say that they want a a Sprite. And you go, well, I don't want you to have all the sugar. So you get them like a Sprite Zero. Well, is it any healthier? And are they actually consuming fewer calories? And there's a study out about that. So I'm excited to kind of take this health look at uh, things today. And we're going to start with us, right, as dads. And and what does it mean? You know, what? how does our health impact the health of our children? So we're going to look at how our decisions about our health, our exercise, what we eat, can have an impact on our children before they're even born. And I'm excited to welcome our very first guest to the program for today. It's Dr. Kristen Stanford. She is from The Ohio State University, and she did a, a study kind of about, you know, she calls it working on your dad bod, and, and we're going to reframe that, though, look at it a little bit differently. So, uh, Dr. Stanford, thanks so much for joining us today on Positively Dad. Absolutely. Thank you. My pleasure. So, I'm excited to talk with you because... You know, I've, I've, the dad bod has been a hot topic for a while, and I said, we've got to do a podcast on it. I've got a bit of a dad bod myself. And so I start looking up dad bods, and I came across your study, and I went, well, this is the place to start, right? Because the, the, you know, this is not what I expected to find, and yet I found it, so we're having you on. You did a study in mice that you think could translate into humans that talked about the importance of being fit. Tell us a little bit about your study. Yeah, so what we were looking at um, was basically the effect of a dad exercising um, on the health of the offspring. And you know these, these studies are easier to do in mice for a lot of reasons, but one of which is that we can, we can keep all their offspring or all their kids um, sedentary and, and chow-fed throughout their lifespan. So the only, the only influence we were really measuring was the effect on the dad. And what we showed was that when a dad exercised, their offspring um, had improved metabolism. So they they had lower body weights, um, decreased fat mass, and improved um, glucose metabolism throughout their lifespan. Um, What was really interesting is that when the dads were fed a high-fat diet, their offspring had a worse metabolic health. So they weighed more, had more fat, and were glucose intolerant, so more similar to a, a type 2 diabetic phenotype. 
But if the dads were fed a high-fat diet and exercised, it negated those effects. So as long as the dads were exercising, we see this improved health in the offspring. That is fascinating. So what you're basically saying is if dad is out of shape and doesn't eat well, then his child could be more likely to have the same problem just genetically. Exactly. Yeah. So what we what we've kind of seen is that if the if the dads just ate a high fat diet, and in our case it was a pretty a pretty moderate high fat diet, they were only on this diet for three weeks. Um, we saw that it really had um, dramatic impairments in their in their offspring as they aged. They were more likely to become obese um, and develop what's similar to a type two diabetic phenotype in a mouse. And if the dads exercised, um, that was that was completely negated. Even if the diet was high fat. That even the, if the, the diet the, was high fat. Yeah, the fact that the exercise had some sort of impact. Yeah. Okay, so what do you think this means? I, I think you know this really just kind of highlights the importance of exercise. Um, using a, a mouse model, again, we were able to kind of determine that what it really did was it, it changed um, some of the composition of the sperm, and we think that that's how it's it's transferring these these effects to their offspring. Um, and so it, it really just for us highlighted the, the importance of exercise. Um, again, in a mouse model, it was only three weeks of exercise, pretty moderate. It wasn't, um, they were able to exercise voluntarily. So just what they could do during the day at their leisure um, in a wheel cage and even kind of a moderate amount resulted in these dramatic improvements. That is just crazy. So I guess for any of the people listening who are thinking about having a baby, you've got three weeks. <laughs> exactly. Get, just get start running now. For three weeks. Okay. <laughs> so... What have your has your research led to anything as to why that might be the case that that genetically now I mean this this is the part that's so baffling to me this is a genetic thing that could just you're you're more likely to I don't I, I don't even know how to describe it just what do you think this is about so we you know we know how important exercise is and when we've looked at at parental exercise so either the mom or the dad exercising. Um, we've been able to see that, that in the dads, we see these epigenetic changes. So things that are that yeah, are Tell us what that sperm. means when you say that big, long word. Not all of us have PhDs. So tell <laughs> us what that means. So really, we're looking at kind of small changes um, to the gene that can change how a gene is expressed in the offspring. So basically, something's happening in the sperm of the dad that is, is changing how, um, how the, the message is read in the offspring. Um, so it's not a you're not actually changing the gene. You're just kind of changing something on the gene. And when that's happening um, and then the gene goes into the offspring. So we're seeing these changes in the sperm and then um, the offspring kind of respond to that. And we don't know exactly what that is. Um, that's kind of what we're looking at now. But those changes seem to be enough to um, to really improve whole body health in the offspring. So we know that diet can change um, the epigenetics of sperm. We know that exercise can change ep the epigenetic profile of sperm. And so we, we don't know exactly what is being changed. Um, but now we're able to look, we're going to, back, to go back and look at it and see kind of how these changes, um, how these, these interventions are causing these changes and then what the outcome is in the offspring. Yeah, so that was my next question. What are the next steps in the study so you can get even more definitive data? Yeah, so for us, we'd really like to um, to basically see why, to figure out what what exactly is exercise doing to the sperm. What are the what are the epigenetic changes um, that are that are altered um, that are affecting the offspring, and can we can we elucidate those so that we could maybe apply this to to humans? Now, I'm, 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 my uh, guess would be that most research on something like this, I mean, this is probably one of the first times we've ever looked at dad, and that most of the time, I imagine the research would look at mom, right? Have you ever seen any research about what mom's fitness and health has to do with, with yeah. the baby? 
So we've actually we've um, we've published a couple studies on that. Um, again, looking at, at in a mouse model at maternal exercise, and what's really interesting is we see a pretty similar effect. Um, so when the moms exercise um, two weeks prior to gestation and then um, throughout gestation, uh, we see that their adult offspring again have an improved um, metabolic health. So improved uh, lower body weight, um, decreased fat mass, and improved glucose uh, tolerance. And again, similar to what we see with the with the dads, if the moms are exercising and fed a high fat diet, um, it negates the effects of a of a just a maternal high fat diet. Interesting. So again, it's not about the fat in the diet; it's about are you exercising? And as long as they're exercising, we seem to see these improvements. That's really interesting. The the I guess you know diabetes has become such an epidemic almost, right? With the number of people who've developed type two diabetes. Over Absolutely. What, last what thirty years or so, there's been a dramatic uptick in that, right? Yes. Um, what do you? What role do you think this has in that? You know, it's it's going to be an interesting thing to translate to humans because, you know, with with humans, you can typically assume that if your parents are more active, you are more likely to be more active, and if your parents are more sedentary, um, you're more likely to have a sedentary lifestyle. Um, what's really interesting about this study is that we've shown that. Even if you if you take if you take the children out of it, right? So if you're not you're not changing anything in the offspring at all, as long as their parent exercised, we see this improved effect. So to me, it kind of suggests that maternal exercise, paternal exercise, if the mom's exercising or the dad's exercising, you're providing some type of protection to your kids. So they're going to be less likely to develop these metabolic diseases later in life. What about diet, though, long term? I mean, diet is very important, and I don't think we can um, we can understate that. Um, this is what we've looked at so far is just looking at the influence of of exercise, of parental exercise, to negate a parental high fat diet. Um, so we have not looked to see if the parental exercise, so if the mom or the dad exercises, um, can have an effect on a protective effect on the diet of the children, and that would be an interesting an interesting question as well. Um, so I think it just kind of goes to show, you know, we we know that exercise is good. And we know that if your mom exercises or your dad exercises, you're going to have a protective effect um, during your lifespan. Um, and then we can kind of go back later and see if that if that's protective, no matter no matter what you do. So you're you're continuing this research over time just to see what you can learn from it. Correct. Yeah. So what advice would you have? I'll start with, you know, families who intend to become parents, people who intend to become parents, what advice would you have for them if they say, look, I want healthy children. Everybody says they want healthy children. What advice would you I mean, have for them going to, you know, to get started and then we'll go from there? Right. I think, you know, I think maintaining a healthy lifestyle, um, including diet and exercise are just essentially important. And um, I think we really just can't understate the importance of, of exercise to improve both your health and the, the health of your future children. It's just kind of one edge up that you can give your kids um, throughout their life. So, well, what if I'm not exercising? Like, what if I'm just somebody that hangs out or I've always been the person that was, you know, like, like me, I call myself the skinny fat guy. You, you know <laughs> what I mean by the skinny fat right. guy? Yeah. And I mean, so what do you say for somebody that's just always been kind of, you know, they've been all right, except they're not exercising. What would, what advice would you give? Um, I would, I would say start. Um, it's not, you know, when we talk about exercise, I think one misnomer is that people think that means you got to go run a marathon. Um, and it's really not just increasing moderate exercise, getting moving more. Um, anything is really going to be helpful for, for both your health and the, the health of your kids in the long run. Interesting. Okay. So then, uh, what about during pregnancy for mom and dad, right? Because 
you see dads, you know, gain weight and, and, and so it's common, right. During pregnancy. And then mom obviously has a lot going on and wants to stay fit. What advice do you have during that time? So I, again, I think it goes to kind of the, the, the moderation of exercise is that anything is, is better than nothing. And so obviously during pregnancy, you know, you're, um, it's sometimes it's harder to exercise at the same intensity you were before you became pregnant, but still exercising as long as you, you have a, you know, a healthy pregnancy um, is a really good thing and has been shown to have many benefits for both the, the mom and the child. Um, for the dads, you know, you got no excuse, right? You should still be exercising. Um, but I think it's, this can also um, go to the fact that, you know, if you want to have another child, those, those same changes are, are in effect in that it, it just speaks to how important exercise is for, for any child you might have as long as you're exercising beforehand. Right. And then afterwards, so now the baby's here and our lives have changed dramatically. And yet we've got to stay fit, right? Because now we're, you know, we're, as you said earlier, children who grew up in households who have parents who exercise and eat well are more likely to exercise and eat well, which that kind of makes sense. What advice would you give there? I mean, I think, you know, the, the key part is just to, to keep moving. Um, and even if it's, you know, 15 or 20 minutes a day where you can go for a walk or go for a light jog or, you know, go to the gym, um, all those things are important. And I, I mean, I know it gets, it gets stressful and it gets hectic the more you have going on, but the, the benefits of exercise, again, really can't be understated to improve your whole body health um, and the health of your family. And so I think it's just really important to try to, to carve out some time or to be doing something during the day that's going to get you moving. What can we be doing to make sure that our kids stay healthy so that they don't, I mean, you know, we've basically made up type two diabetes, right? So what do we do to make sure that that doesn't happen in our family? Um, I think, you know, the importance of, of diet and lifestyle just really come into play here and making sure that um, kids are, are eating healthy meals, um, not eating all, all junk food and desserts the whole time. Um, and then being outside, running around, playing um, anything that's going to keep them active. I think, you know, teaching kids that from a really early age is really important into how they're going to develop um, their lives and what they what they enjoy doing and kind of getting those those fundamental things in the good, healthy diet and, and a lot of exercise are, are really important. What didn't I ask you about in this study or anything else that you think dads should know when it comes to their health? One of the key parts um, about this is that it was a pretty, what we saw to make a difference was a pretty moderate exercise. And it's, it's one of those things where it doesn't really matter where you're starting from, right? As long as you're exercising, we're seeing an effect. And so if you've, you know, you've been overweight and out of shape your whole life, even starting something, a, you know, really mild exercise intervention is probably going to be helpful for you and, and for your kids. Yeah. Even if it's just uh, walking around the neighborhood a couple of times, right? Taking a couple Anything. of laps around the neighborhood or something like that. Uh, just getting you in motion is more likely than to move on to the next thing to just keep you healthier. Exactly. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, I'll tell you, your study got my attention and I'm curious <laughs> to see the follow-up to it. Were you surprised you. by the results in this? We were, we, um, they were, they were pretty dramatic. So we were, we were very excited when we, we started to see what the data looked like. Um, to see even you know the whole body effects. We, we tracked these mice out for a year, which is a, a pretty long time in the, the life of a mouse. Um, and what would that be equivalent to, uh, you know, for a human? Yeah, it's, it's roughly roughly 45 to 55 years of age in a human. Yeah. Um, and to see these effects that just from the dad were were trans were carried out that long um, in their lifespan was was pretty dramatic. Um, and then to kind of go back and look at the effects, um, we looked at at the sperm to see that only three weeks of a high fat diet had these pretty strong changes in. Um, in gene expression in the sperm, and then that those are really negated by exercise. Um, 
I think that was a pretty powerful, you know, visual just to see how quickly things can change with a high fat diet and how strong exercise is as a tool to to negate those effects. Yeah, that's really really interesting. So a short amount of of time invested in just getting fit at some level has an impact that lasts almost, according to your data, almost someone's entire life, or at least you know two thirds of someone's life, has a massively long term impact on on that child. Yes. Wow. Well, I appreciate you being on today. I'm, I do want you to keep us updated when you learn more. And, uh, and let's get our dads and moms and kids to be fit and healthy. What do you think? I think it sounds awesome. Yeah, it does sound awesome, right? Let's be healthy and fit. And so that takes us now to the next part of the story. So you know now for you, Dad, what it means for you. Hey, be eating right and exercising. And if you're going to have more kids down the line or maybe you don't have any kids yet, that's going to have an impact. It could have an impact genetically on your own children. Now let's say it's too late for that. All right, I already made my choices and now I've got kids. How do we raise them so that they're healthy and what do we need to pay attention to? And so that leads us to the next part of our podcast for today, which is where we look at, you know, what are we allowing our kids to eat and drink? And and if we go like diet or low sugar, is it really having any type of impact? And so we talked to Dr. Allison Silvesky of uh, George Washington University, and uh, and she and her team did the research on that, and I'm excited to jump in and look at it. So thank you so much, Dr. Silvesky, for joining us on Positively Dad. Of course. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So I found this to be really interesting. I have a first grader. So, well, I shouldn't say that. I have a, I have a second grader now. And, um, you know, we don't do a lot of soda. And if we do, it will do like Sprite Zero. And I'm going, hey, I'm a way better dad. And now I'm learning that it really doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I don't know that it doesn't matter. Um, the, you know, diet or light, reduced sugar beverages do have fewer calories than their sugar-sweetened counterparts. But the extent to which they're actually helpful for lowering total calorie intake is unclear. And our results actually show that um, over the course of a day, the kids that drink sugar-sweetened drinks or low-calorie sweetened drinks actually had similar total calorie intakes. So fascinating. So tell us a little bit about your study. Sure. So we use data collected from a national-level um, survey called the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. And NHANES is the abbreviation for it. It's conducted in two-year cycles. Um, and so the data is collected um, and the, the survey is put together by the National Center for Health Statistics. Um, and so they um, collect all sorts of data, including a 24-hour dietary recall, which asks people to basically say what they ate or drank over the prior um, 24 hours. And so that's how we were able to identify children or adolescents who drank a sugar-sweetened beverage versus a low-calorie-sweetened beverage versus water or an unsweetened beverage. And so we used um, those categories to then compare the rest of the diet across those, you know, different beverage consumption groups. And so what does this, what does the result tell you? What, what, what did you learn from this? Yeah, so we learned a few things um, that were, um, some were more surprising than others, but um, the main finding was that the kids and adolescents that drank low-calorie sweetened beverages, so things like diet soda or low-calorie fruit drinks or Crystal Light, um, things like that, that they still consumed a greater total number of calories and more added sugar than the kids that did not drink low-calorie sweetened beverages or sugar-sweetened beverages and just drank water. And the reason why that's interesting is because 
the um, low-calorie sweetened beverages, specifically something like Crystal Light or Diet Soda, has no or few calories. And so we were surprised that the total daily calorie intakes were, were not similar to water and were actually more similar to the sugar-sweetened beverage group. So they're clearly getting the extra calories from somewhere else. This is, right. a, I guess, the, the, it, you're clearly looking at just a series of habits here, right? Yes. Yeah, so we can't say anything about causality using our study design. Um, this data was all collected at a single point in time, so we don't know what happened first. Was it that the kids you know, were already eating a lot of calories and then decided to drink diet soda? We can't determine that from our study design. Right. So why is this important information for parents? Yeah, it's really important for parents um, and everyone, really, because there's been a big public health emphasis on lowering consumption of sugar-sweetened beverages. So we know that having too much sugar and too much soda, which is a big source of sugar-sweetened beverage, or excuse me, that um, sugar-sweetened beverages are a major contributor to total added sugar intakes, that these um, sugars in excess are linked to a variety of adverse health conditions. So things like obesity, diabetes, heart disease, et cetera. And so we know we need to have less sugar. But the question is, what do we replace the sugar with? And a lot of people, parents, um, children, adults, et cetera, all um, like, you know, sweetness. Sweet taste is palatable. And so one alternative is drinks that have these low-calorie sweeteners in them that are still sweet and palatable but contain no or few calories. So our findings really call attention to the fact that it's better to really just choose water. Yeah, I mean, this is an, and and what's interesting about this, I guess, is this is really quite the epidemic for kids, right? You've we've got more kids that are obese now than ever, right? And um, and and I mean, this is kind of like a public health issue. It is, and we also know that in parallel, the consumption of these low calorie sweeteners and specifically low calorie sweetened beverages has been on the rise in kids. So, not only are there more and more kids that are overweight or with obesity but also more and more kids are consuming these low-calorie sweetened beverages. And so we want to make sure that, you know, they might not have a counterproductive effect before these are even more widespread in terms of consumption in kids. Right, because here you have a parent who probably thinks they're, hey, I'm going to allow my child to have this soda, except I'm going to give them the one that's the, the zero or the diet, thinking that it's a little bit better, when the truth is we probably want to look at our overall habits and um, and just make, I guess, def- different decisions about what we're consuming as a whole. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's not a magic bullet just replacing the sugar-sweetened drink with the diet drink. You know, if it's not going to help to lower total calories, um, you know, then we have to think about, well, what else are we consuming and how can we make a bigger lifestyle change to affect the whole diet? So, uh, you know, type 2 diabetes has been a big conversation, uh, especially with my generation of parents. Because if you rewind, it wasn't that long ago that it basically just didn't exist. So, yeah, and kids. So what are you finding about, you know, health in children today compared to how it was over time? And what should we as parents know about that? Well, we know that along with obesity, there's a lot of other health um, issues, right, that are either obesity comorbidities or that may even occur independently of obesity related to, to diet. And so I think really that the take-home message is that we need to change our diet, we need to be more physically active, and that a lot of the lifestyle patterns that we're seeing in kids now may not have been the case you know, 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. And so 
diet is is obviously a really important piece of that. Um, and it's not just about making, you know, a, a individual fix, but really eating more fruits and vegetables, eating more whole grains, lean protein, and less of the high sugar, high fat, high sodium foods that are often convenient and tasty. So I think, you know, changing our diet and increasing our physical activity, we know is associated with improved health and that improved health would be across a variety of different outcomes. So what recommendations would you make for diet uh, for kids? You know, because look, we're on the go. It's busy. We're going to grab this or just take that. What recommendations would you make? Yeah, I mean, I would really encourage parents to choose, you know, foods that are less sweet. Um, So we're just seeing that our diet is packed and kids' diets are packed with sugar, packed with sweeteners. um, And kids, you know, need to be exposed to things that are not so sweet. And so that would cut across, you know, um, grain products, so things like cereals that are super sweet, beverages, which are very sweet, high in sugar. Um, so really just getting kids to try to be exposed to and ultimately consume the less sweet, uh, lower sugar alternatives that are lower sugar because they aren't so sweet, not because they've necessarily just been replaced with a low calorie sweetener. So we've always said, you know, okay, have this many servings of vegetables, this many servings of fruits, and so on and so forth. Is there a recommendation on how much sugar would be acceptable? I mean, it's almost impossible to avoid. It's in everything. Is there a recommendation on on how much would be okay? Yeah. So, I mean, and also when we talk about sugar, we have to differentiate um, between sugar that occurs naturally, for example, in fruits um, or in milk. There's naturally occurring sugar versus the added sugar, which are sugars that are added either to foods or beverages during processing or during preparation. And so really what we're focused on is the added sugars. Um, You know, fruit has a lot of nutritional benefits, um, has important nutrients other than, than the sugar that's naturally in it. So, you know, kids should definitely eat fruit and not, you know, just because it's sugary doesn't mean it's necessarily bad if it's an, you know, a fruit that comes from a tree or something like that. Um, So in terms of how much added sugar kids should have, the recommendation is that it's less than 10% of total daily calories. Yeah, right. If they had a if they had a Sprite or something, it's it's there's a day and a half right there. Right. And also added sugars in a lot of other things besides um besides soda, right? So there's added sugar in our cereals, in our bread, in our condiments, um etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So that number adds up pretty quickly. Fascinating stuff. So I guess the, to kind of wrap up, this is this is clearly important, and I'm so thankful that, that you and your team did the research on this. What is the big, big takeaway for parents that they have to know uh, so that we don't create some problems down the line? Yep. I mean, the biggest takeaway is, ha- you know, really encourage your kids to drink water. Um, you know, an occasional diet beverage, an occasional sugar-sweetened beverage is fine. Um, you know, once in a while as a treat, I don't see any problem with that. But it, the habit should be drinking water or other unsweetened beverages as opposed to all the sugar and sweetness. And maybe if you wanted to, I saw a story where you said, look, you could take, you know, the sparkling water like a LaCroix or those, those, those brands, put a little fruit juice in it or something like that if you just desire that kind of taste, right? Yeah. I mean, you can dilute fruit juice. That's a great strategy. You still get, you know, a little bit of the the flavor, but you know, if it's twenty percent fruit juice and eighty percent, you know, water or sparkling water. Also, there's more and more sparkling water brands um, and that are coming out, and you know, things like Lacroix, for example, they have tons of different flavors. Um, so some kids actually really like it once they actually try it. Fascinating stuff. Again, we're learning about health today, and and here's what we've learned. First of all, dads take care of you. 
even before you become a dad because you're setting your kids up to win when you do that. Number two, let's become aware of, of what our kids are eating and drinking. And even when we think we're giving them something that's better for them, maybe it's not. And to pay attention to how much sugar. The takeaway to me was 10% of their calories. No more than 10% of their calories should come from added sugars. And she's not warning us just on sodas. She's saying paying attention to the other stuff, sugary cereals and so on. And we've heard all this stuff, and I know it's easier said than done. And yet the truth is we can easily eliminate some of this stuff, like the sugary cereals and the soda, and go toward a, a, a LaCroix and, um, and, and a more healthy breakfast. So I trust that you got some value out of the health-related conversations that we had today. Three, two, one. All right, so we get to everyone's favorite part now of Positively Dad, and this is where I invite uh, my daughter, Naomi, uh, who's going to be a second grader, just finished first grade, getting ready for second grade, and she is going to talk about whatever she wants to talk about. So here is the Kids' Corner. What are the kids thinking? Time to find out in the Kids' Corner with your host, Naomi. Hello, everybody. My name is Naomi Shaw, and today we are going to talk about being nice to your daddy. So first you want to give him hugs every day and kisses and hugs and hugs and kisses the end. Bye-bye. Well, that might be my favorite Kids Corner in the history of Kids Corners, right? Short to the point and give daddy hugs and kisses. I'll take it. We appreciate you listening so much. We really do and trust you got value out of today's episode. You know, we looked at a few things, right? Your health before you become a father and after and then the health of your children as well and how some tiny decisions that we make can have a massive impact on our health and our kids' health for years and years to come. So we appreciate that. Hey, if you would do me a favor, if you're listening, you know, whatever platform you're listening on, would you rate us in review, right? A rate rating and a review just really helps get the message out about Positively Dad, and, and so we appreciate your support there. And then if you'd follow us wherever you see us, on, you know, wherever you are on social media, we would love that. You'll find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search at Positively Dad and you'll find us. We're online, PositivelyDad.com. And you can reach out to me whenever you want, James at PositivelyDad.com. Maybe you know someone we should have on or have an idea for a podcast. We'd love to, to get your advice, your tips, and your feedback. Again, we thank you for listening. Trust you're getting value out of it. And we'll talk to you next time on Positively Dad. Have a good one. Bye-bye.